dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. As scientists, we are at the cutting edge of research. However, when you're doing monotonous tasks like pipetting or running the same code over and over again, it may not feel like this. I'm not saying we're all making groundbreaking discoveries and that we all have super novel PhDs, but at least something you are doing has never been done before. And that is pretty incredible. However, as incredible as that may be, this brings with it issues of its own. Doing things that have never been done before, pushing the boundaries of knowledge, is hard. It's lonely, it's isolating, and it can fuel the, at times, all-encompassing imposter syndrome. The dreaded imposter syndrome is something that I'm pretty sure none of us can escape. And for me, I've been in a battle with mine throughout most of my PhD. So, I thought I'd use this month's blog to talk about it. I know you've probably read tons of blogs about imposter syndrome, and I'm not here to try and reinvent the wheel. But if I'm honest, I think we all need to hear more about it. Imposter syndrome needs to be normalised. When I started my PhD over three years ago, I don't think I'd ever found a label for the overwhelming feelings where sometimes I just thought I wasn't smart, or that I didn't know enough, or that I didn't really deserve to be accepted onto my PhD, and it was all just luck. On my good days, when my confidence and my abilities is sky high, which usually correlates with when an experiment works or a productive week, I know that it's not just down to luck, and that I am smart enough to sit at the table. But when I'm in an experimental rut, or I just feel like I'm not getting it, the imposter syndrome can hit me like a ton of bricks. Anyway. Imposter syndrome is a big deal. And do you want to hear a little secret? Okay, maybe not a secret, but more of an interpretation or observation on my part. Everyone gets it. Whether they be a first or final year PhD student, a postdoc, or even those higher up the academic ladder, we all have it. And if you are reading this and you think to yourself, well, Beth, I've no idea what you're talking about. I've never felt this way then please do get in touch with me and give me some of your tips. Imposter syndrome can make your job as a scientist very hard. You need a certain level of confidence to be able to do what we do, to try new techniques, to be okay with failure, which occurs on a daily basis as scientists. However, in my own experience, imposter syndrome can strip away my confidence and at times make me feel like a fraud. I don't really feel like I'm the most qualified person to be giving any tips on imposter syndrome right now. Wait, is that imposter syndrome again? (laughs) It's a deeply personal thing, and things that work for me may or may not work for you. But as you know, if you read my monthly blogs, I do love to give a couple of my own tips in the hope that they may help or at least guide someone. So here are a few things that I do to deal with my own imposter syndrome. So firstly, I try and acknowledge it. I've found that being able to recognise and acknowledge that I'm having a bout of imposter syndrome is pretty helpful. I usually know when it's coming because I start to get a little bit more negative about my skills or my experimental abilities. And I start to question if I have any idea what I'm really doing. I've also found that it's more likely to occur when I'm tired or have big things on 
such as giving a talk to a really expert audience or doing something that's slightly out of my comfort zone, such as trying new techniques. When I realize it's coming on, I remind myself that this is pretty normal and that it's okay to feel this way. Secondly, I try to challenge it. Once I've recognized and acknowledged that the overwhelming feelings of not being good enough are actually just due to my imposter syndrome, it's time for me to challenge it. There are a number of things I do to try to challenge my imposter syndrome, but my favorite is reminding myself of all the things I've accomplished. And for this, I do, I, and to do this, I look at my accomplishments document. I can't remember who told me about this. It was probably something I saw on Twitter, but they said to create a document of all the cool techniques you'd learn, any awards you'd got, papers you might have published, or outreach activities you'd done. Basically, anything you'd done that you couldn't do previously should go on the document. And when you're having those off days, look at it to challenge. And of course, remind yourself of how good a job you are doing. And finally, I try to accept it. I accept that imposter syndrome is something I will most likely have to deal with my entire academic career. And that is okay. By being able to recognise and challenge it, this will hopefully help me keep it at bay. If you've been struggling or are struggling with your imposter syndrome, I hope this blog has helped you feel less alone with it all. And I hope that by hearing about some of the things I do to help keep mine at bay, that these may also come in handy for you. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.